everybody. This is Mind Your Money with Miss Be Helpful, a show that highlights people and stories that will inspire you to get your money right. And today I have a financial hype woman on the show, the financial hype woman, because ain't nobody else calling themselves that. So welcome to the show, <laughs> Berna. What's up, girl? Thank you so much, Anneli. I love your new show. I love being a guest on it. I love being a hype woman, making up stuff like that. So super honored. Thank you for having me. Well, I had to have you on, girl, because after you came up with this amazing idea to do Hella Helpful, which was a series of free workshops for folks who are people of color, low income, or identify as first gen, I jumped on there because I was like, yo, I needed this back in the day. Let me get involved in this. But like after the sense of community, like the realness, the rawness, I was like, I I got to keep having these, these more of these conversations. And so I came up with the mind your money thing. And, and I... I'm just like so inspired by what you put together. We're definitely going to talk about that. I want everybody to hear all about that, but we'll get to it in a little bit. First, for anybody who has never heard of the financial hype woman herself, Berna, who is all over the interwebs as at Hey Berna. Uh, Berna, tell them a little bit about yourself and what your platform's all about. Yes. So like Yanelli said, I am Berna Anat. I am a financial hype woman. I'll explain what that means a little bit. I made that name up entirely myself. <laughs> I barely know what it means. Um, I am first-gen Filipino-American daughter, daughter of an immigrant. Both of my parents were born in the Philippines, came here as immigrants. Um, I was born and raised here in the San Francisco Bay Area. Mm -hmm. And I, as a financial hype woman, I create content just like Anneli around money, educating people about money, how it works in a way that hopefully isn't terribly boring. And (laughs) I really try to lean into the humor side of money. I guess they call it like edutainment. I think they call us like influencers now. Influencer is a thing. I like it. Yep. So we are influencers. We're edutainers. Um, I really, as you can tell, I try to be really playful with the way that I teach about money. Um, and I can go a little bit into like my money journey if you want me to, or should I stop there? And slip it, let's, pa- let's pause there and we'll come to your money journey later. Um, I want to start with some spicy questions because I feel like the very beginning is a great time to just jump into, you know, what your regrets are, what are things that you're happy about that you've done with money. So I'm going to start with the regrets first. What is the biggest, most expensive purchase that you made in your life that you regret to this very day? You wish you could just go back in time and erase it, take it back. Never happened. What would that be? Let me show you. Can I show you? Yeah. Um, it's my Dell computer. Ooh. Hello. Hey, Dell. Hey. <laughs> hey, Dell. Don't say hi to Dell. Dell. Dell's on timeout right now. <laughs> Dell's been on timeout for years. Oh. I regret so badly buying my Dell computer because it was like right when I had, I quit my job, and this is going to be part of my money journey I'll talk about later, but quit my job, get ready to travel the world with my partner, just became debt-free. Yeah. And I was like, I want to be, I want to continue to make videos. I need to do the edit videos. I had to give my like work Mac laptop back. Mm-hmm. And then of course my partner was like, oh, you know, he's like hardcore Android PC. It's like <laughs> same story you hear from all the PC Android people being like, you Mac heads are like throwing all your money away. You get the same specs for a thousand dollars less, yep. blah, 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 blah. Yep. And I was like, okay, like I'm just, I just started my personal finance journey. I love cheap things. Like I, I want bang for my buck. You also trust your Three boo. Later, You're like, it's okay. But I just know what you're talking about. Right, right, right. Exactly. And he's right for so many of these things. And like he loves his Dell. And I was like, I'm about to be about that life too. So I could be on the sidelines too and be like, all you Mac heads are so dumb. (laughs) False. (laughs) Three years later, false. I Uh, have so many problems with my Dell all the time. And it just comes down to like usability. We don't have to get into this debate, but like, I love the Mac universe and the Apple universe makes it easy for me. And as a video creator, it's just better to have. Um, But this was a situation where like, 
my desire to be budgety and good value mm-hmm. clashed with what I actually need as a creator. Right. And every day I'm like, I would pay, I would pay a thousand more dollars a month just to have a better computer. <laughs> Damn, I was like, whoa, a month. <laughs> like, all the stress that this computer has given me yeah, is not equal to the amount of money that I saved for the computer. So I regret Ooh. it. And uh, I'm going to be upgrading real soon. Dang, real soon. girl. That's crazy. You know that it's funny because now it, it makes me think like I'm going back in like to the this black hole of like all of my computers that I've had. And it's funny because I remember I had I don't, it, it didn't it doesn't even have a real name, the brand of the type of laptop that I first had my freshman year in college. I'm pretty sure Uh-oh. it cost like three hundred dollars. My brother bought it for me because I was desperate for one. And I remember I yeah. dropped it one time like, it, oh, my goodness, it was the it was the worst. And so my sophomore year in college, I think I just had had it. And I was like, F this, like, I'm going to the Mac store. I'm going to Apple store. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't have enough money. And I financed my laptop on an Apple credit card. I opened the the credit Mm -hmm. card right there in the Apple store to buy the laptop. And it was like $1,800. And I just, every month was sending like a hundred bucks, a hundred bucks, like every month. And that laptop, as crazy as that sounds, literally, it's like a student loan, as crazy as it sounds, like, I feel like for me, it was worth it because I used that computer for four, three years of college, two years of my master's. I had it for like almost eight years before that thing was like, all right, bitch, I'm done. Like, I can't (laughs) do no more. Um, And then I, and then at that point I was grown and I had paid off my debt. So I bought a full new one for like $2,400, which is crazy that I'm throwing out these numbers as if like, oh yeah, you know, just $2,400, like, like, But the crazy thing is even now when I, the Mac that I have now that I paid $2,400 for, that sounds crazy, but like, I think it's worth it. Like I use it for all of my videos. I use it for all of my video calls. I use it for editing stuff Mm -hmm. for YouTube. I use it for social media. Like I use it for everything. And I just Mm -hmm. can't imagine. Oh my goodness. I couldn't imagine being unsatisfied with my laptop. So girl, I feel for you. I feel for you. Regret. in my heart. Daily regret. Like oh. every time I touch it, I call it the Dell hole. Don't tell him I said that. The Dell hole. Oh no. The Dell hole. I call it the Dell hole. Oh, <laughs> like no. every day I'm in the Dell hole. Oh. <laughs> Just like I touch my computer. I'm like you again. But oh. it's you know and, what? And That's probably I'm why so she's good. acting up. She's probably acting up because you're being mean to her. <laughs> Give us some TLC, Verna. She might that is what my partner says too. I'm like, you know, sometimes I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm so mean to you. You've actually given me so much. Like you're really stuck with me. You didn't get stolen when I was abroad for a year because nobody wants Adele. That was part of the appeal too. I was like, no one's going to steal this thing. Nobody wants this thing. Nobody wants it. But there is really something to be said about the things that you invest in yeah. and how close they are to your your creative life, your business life. Like if I was not an internet creator, I'd be like, Dell, Dell it up. I just right. need Microsoft Word. Who cares? Exactly. Uh, but you got to know where, where your money matters basically. And like mm-hmm. what investments are important to you. Then I could be cheap on everything else. Yeah. I'm looking at her like, don't look yeah. at me like You that. know, I'm talking about you, girl. <laughs> <laughs> I hate, I feel oh, All right, girl, what about the flip side of that scenario? A time where you made a big purchase, but it was worth it. Like to this day, you're like, no, man, I stand by that purchase because it was worth it for me. I don't care if other people think I'm buck wild for spending all that money. It worked for me and it's still something that I'm proud that I bought. Yes, I would say the thing that keeps coming up, especially, you know, of course, folks at our age, people are getting married and dropping a ton of money on weddings. I mean, not so much these days, but like right, right, right. the <laughs> amount of money that people are spending on weddings. And like, you know what? That is a per- at the end of the day, that's a personal decision. Yeah. And if that's yeah. where I want to put your money, that's fine. But it always makes you think of the fact that like, I think of the budget and what my partner and I spent when we quit our jobs and we traveled for 10 months. We traveled for, yeah, nearly a year. Um, oh, and we, we spent the entire year abroad, we quit our jobs and 
we, the thing is we front loaded the entire budget with cash first. Mm. So we didn't use any credit, no yeah. loans or any kind of debt coming out of that. We front loaded it with cash. And so it was a long time of saving up money in a high yield savings account and just yeah. watching that number tick up and up and up. It was like, I knew that I was going to spend it in the future. So it was like spending, putting in a savings. I was like, yeah. all that money that I can't touch right now because I'm saving it for this giant goal. And then that year we just like spent, I mean, I put it on credit and paid off my credit card and just like spent cash the entire time. Yeah. I think it totaled up to, I want to say like 32 or $33,000 total for the year. Okay. For both of you and guys so to travel I, for a full year. Wow. That's yes. Amazing. For both of us to travel for a full year, which is like when you put it in the context of travel, we didn't spend very much. Yeah, exactly. In the context of like, for example, I'm not going to name names, but I know somebody very close to me who dropped like $60,000 on their wedding. It's a four-hour party. That's I a four-hour party. I know. And so when people are like, wow, you spent so much money abroad, like all that money you spent abroad. I'm like, we to this day, we are still reliving the memories. Like yeah. we have not even, I mean, it's 10 straight months of travel. Like it's yeah. going to take us like decades to really process what happened and yes. all the memories that come back, the stories, the people we met, the food we ate, like mm. completely mm. invaluable, completely mm-hmm. invaluable. And so again, no shade for everyone, everyone who's not only paid for a wedding and is suffering right now because of COVID, but like have paid a lot for a wedding. Yeah. It's all about your priorities, but like I would I would drop another 30K on a year of travel. Oof, girl, I'm with you. I'm so with you. You know, it's funny because I have to learn that more and more every day. I have to keep reminding myself, keep te- reteaching myself to stop the judging because I, um, I'm just like you. Like I would drop 30, 40, 50, 60K in a year to travel. I, to me, totally worth it. Love it. Would do it in a heartbeat. And every chance mm-hmm. I get to travel, I do. Like my boyfriend and I, we, we every time we get a chance to take a full month off and just go somewhere, we do. We've mm-hmm. done it like three mm-hmm. times already. And it feels amazing. But then I also am like that person who just doesn't value things that like traditionally society maybe values. Like my boyfriend and I yes. have been together for so long. Everybody keeps asking about a wedding. I'm like, oh, wedding. Like, oh, wedding, honey. How <laughs> Like, first of all. And you know what it is? Also a cultural thing because like in Dominican culture, and I'm sure you could relate to this too. Like, girl, they expect you to invite everybody and their mama oh and the cousins God. and the babies and the grandpas and the, co- and the uncles yes. and the aunties. And it's like. You know, just my siblings, I have eight siblings, plus my mom and dad, mm-hmm. plus the nieces and nephews and the sibling spouses. That alone is like a regular American wedding, let alone <laughs> my boyfriend's family, my boyfriend's family, and then the extended family. Like, we are about to drop a good 100K if we're going to have the kind of wedding yes. that my family expects us to have. And I'm like, not chill, not chill, not chill. Exactly. There's so much of that in the Filipino culture, too. It's like, and I'm mm-hmm. hearing all of my friends go through it in the last five years of when planning a wedding. It's like, not only... But first of all, the wedding is for the family in our yeah. in our culture very much. Like yes. it's not about the couple at all. It's Never about what the family wants. Yeah. Never about the couple. And then because it's what the family wants, and if if it's a flashy enough wedding, grandma's gonna want to invite her friends over here because they want to show off the whole church. The whole church doing. has to come. Whole, whole church, church community has to come. Has to come. <laughs> and it's like, are you paying for the upgraded bows on the seats? Are you paying for the the a la carte mini? Whatever, like nope. all that. Exactly. But again, it's priorities though, because yeah. some of the the smartest and most wonderful people in my life have chosen to drop X amount of money on a wedding 100%. because they wanted that because yeah. they value the desire from their family about that. It's, mm-hmm. it's all about perspective. That's so true. Just talking to so many different women so far, I've only done episodes with women for mind your money. And even just talking to the women that I've talked to so far that so many, some of them have said like I dropped a bunch of money on my wedding and I don't regret it because similarly to your answer about travel, they're like, I'm never going to forget it. I have flashbacks to that day, every single moment that I'm thinking, you know, I have a mm-hmm. moment free. It, it's, it was everything to me. I had everyone that I love there and I can see that and I can understand it. I just don't 
feel that way personally, but like I yeah. get it. And so it's so true what you keep saying about like, it's about your personal priorities. Do you feel that that is the way that your heart desires to spend your dollars? And if it is, do it. If not, don't do it. That's it. It's that simple. Exactly. Exactly. And then it, it requires a little bit of soul searching for sure. But I always think of like, if the roles were reversed, for example, like somebody that I know who dropped 60 K on their wedding, if they were, if somebody went to them and was like, you have to go drop 30 K on a year of travel, they'd be like a year of travel. I don't want to be gone that long. I don't even yeah. like traveling that much. I don't want to go to those countries. You know, it's like, uh, uh, if we put ourselves in each other's shoes, we would both be unhappy. That's right. It's completely about what you desire and, and the price tag that you put on that. And it is really difficult for us to not judge each other for it, yeah. especially when like money is money. And don't, like, mm. I look at a wedding and I'm like, you could have traveled the world for two years. That's right. More than yep. that. More for, four, for five years with that much money. For Ooh. five years. Exactly. But then they would have been totally unhappy doing that if I had yeah. like copy pasted my priorities onto them. So. That's right. That's right. It's such a thing too, like the wedding industry. They're just, I, to me, I think it's this, this concept that it's the principle of it. It's like, you know, if you go to get a DJ for a regular ass party, you're going to pay what, you know, $300 for that DJ. But if mm-hmm. you say, I need that same DJ to play those same songs, but it's not a regular party, it's a wedding. Oh, all of a sudden it's a thousand dollars for that same yes. musical set for the <laughs> same amount of time. I'm like, wait, what? I can't. Because I can't get wedding. Yeah, exactly. exactly. I can't get with that. I think that's what bothers me about the wedding industry is that the fact that it gets marked up so much. But uh, maybe one day I'll get over it. We, we shall see. <laughs> exactly. Well, they know that it's an industry, and they know that there's a market, so they can. You know, like one of my best friends in the world, she dropped a bunch of money on her wedding. She's the most frugal person I've ever met in my entire life, and she's like, "Well, if I want to use my own DJ at this all-inclusive resort, I have to pay an $800 fee oh on my top God. of hiring her own DJ. It's a fee because you don't want to use their DJ. Oh, what? so gross. That's how they get you to do what they want you to do and pay them. Exactly. Ugh. Exactly. Ugh. I don't know. I'm in the same boat with you. It makes exactly. sense. I'm like, okay. <laughs> it's just Give me a plane ticket. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. Um, all right, girl. Well, you kind of alluded to this a little bit with like, Filipino families are similar to Dominican families in terms of these big weddings. And like, this is what they expect of you. Tell us a little bit more about what it was like to be first gen in a Filipino family in Cali growing up. Um, and, you know, maybe not having access to everything that all the wealthy people's got, but like, you know, mm-hmm. maybe, maybe exposure to some early lessons about money or conversations about money. What was that like growing up in your house? For sure. It's, it's funny because all the lessons that I've learned and the things that of course, as financial educators, we've thought about, all happened way after the fact, way after it happened. Mm-hmm. Because like so many of us who are in an immigrant family, first-gen household, we did not talk about money. No one in my family right. came from money, very lower middle class. Um, no one, no one's financial in my family. I didn't come from an accountant or anything right. like that. Um, you know, my dad is a retired mail care. My mom works customer service in the airport. And all the money lessons I learned, I didn't realize it until I became an adult and looked back. And mm-hmm. when I talk about money with other Filipino American communities and audiences, I talk about something that I call the frugal flex theory. Mm-hmm. And it's something that I've only really workshopped because of my like Filipino American experience. But when I talk about it outside, other communities are like us too. It's like you get to adulthood and you're like, why am I so confused about money? Like I feel fear around money, but I also want to spend it up. I don't have very much money, but when I get it, I let it go. Like why mm-hmm. am I so messed up about money? And I think it's because we were given so many mixed signals Growing up, especially if you're in a household with a uh, an immigrant who is like yeah. searching for the American dream. Mm. And so I call it the frugal flex theory because it's a spectrum. Either your family was in like, it was like a frugal day for your family or it was a flex day for your family. 
and there was never any consistency and you always run back and forth in between. Yes. So like flex being, I need to buy this Louis Vuitton bag with a bonus that I got from work and then I need to put it on Facebook. And you're like, wait, why do you have a Louis Vuitton bag? I'm pretty sure you earn minimum wage. Mm. Like mm. that's confusing. And then frugal theory, uh, we are going to bring a Tupperware full of food to the movie theater. Um, I'm not going to buy you those shoes. I'm going to buy it for you when I go out to the Philippines. They're much cheaper, even though they're imitation. Like, hella, we cut, do you got McDonald's money? There's rice at home. Like, mm-hmm. it's all the different messages that go back and forth. And so you add that all up and it makes like a first gen adult who was confused as hell. Yes. And so that just sort of helps shed light on like, you know, we didn't grow up with, a lot of us didn't grow up with one money message. We grew up with a really confusing one. And I think also like further into that theory, that a lot of our families were sort of mixed up in that way because they weren't making the money that they should have been making. We all lived so close to the poverty line, like yeah. under middle class. But every dollar that we got went towards signaling the American dream. Mm. I got mm. this bag. Yes. I got this bag. I got to let people know. Oh, I bought a second and I bought a third house. Yep. You don't need to know that it's refinanced like to the max. I have to. 800 times and like 2008 comes and I have to file bankruptcy. It doesn't matter. Mm. I got three houses and I yeah. got this cute car and look at my yes. Louis Vuitton. And so it's, it's a working theory still, but it's something yeah. that when I say it out loud to other people of color, specifically, yep. they're like, ha <laughs> Yeah. It's so true because what it is, is you're trying so hard to assimilate so that you feel like you belong because when you like, for mm-hmm. example, especially this, I think is especially true for immigrants that have a language barrier. Like if you come from a country, mm-hmm. you're an immigrant from a country that also speaks English. I feel like it's less pervasive for you. Not that you don't have, you know, discrimination that you deal with as well, but I feel like it's way more pervasive for folks that come from a country where their native language is not English because then it's very clear, especially if you have a thick accent that you mm. are other, that you are other, that you are not American in the way that, yeah. you know, American is defined for a lot of people. And so I feel like mm. that is what exacerbates it. Like my mom, when we were little, she was always telling us to, you know, to speak English because she wanted us to learn English. Because if we speak mm-hmm. th- with a thick accent in Spanish, they're going to put us in, in, in English as a second language program, or yes. they're going to put us, you know, in a, whatever, in a slower class. Or she didn't want us to have a stigma attached to the way that we talk. So for me, it's mm. funny because when I talk to my mom, like I go into this thing accent because that's how she talks but I don't talk like that normally it's just that that's I want to make sure she knows like I'm still her baby and we talk this way together <laughs> but I don't really have a thick accent I mean people have say I have a New York accent but I don't have like a Spanish accent necessarily but yeah I think it's just because all those things that we're trying actively to do to assimilate and that involves yeah. getting the house with the white picket fence getting the car getting the whatever things you know and and I, I definitely feel like that resonates for me at, at least because I was always trying so hard to have the brand names that my friends at school had, even though mm. I know dang well, my dad and my we mom could not afford it. We don't got it. But, you know, it was embarrassing to come to school with pay less all the time. And so I would try really <laughs> hard to get Nikes or get Pumas for Christmas or whatever, just so I could have something to make me feel like I fit in. So, I mean, exactly. that's probably where it's coming from. It's that desire to fit in, that desire to assimilate so bad. Yeah, of course. And because we're so taught not to talk about money as well, mm-hmm. like in my household, money was not talked about ever. It, we didn't we didn't know how much the bills were. We just knew that we were broke yeah. sometimes. Yeah. But then sometimes we flexed. So that's confusing. But mostly <laughs> so we're broke. And so I was like, okay, mixed signals, mixed signals. Yes. And then, but we don't talk about money. We don't talk about how it flows in, how it flows out. We don't talk about, mm-hmm. we definitely never talked about how to prioritize it. And so- as an adult, we have to come back and figure that out ourselves and then look back and go, and this is something that I'm still working on in my sort of like, you know, colonial mon- mentality, money mind, but like look back and think like, 
our families were doing the best that they could with what they had. Mm -hmm. And their desire to assimilate was stronger than the desire or even the the research that they had to teach us about money. Like we don't talk about money. So it's not like we're like wearing our money situation on our sleeves. What you see is on Facebook. What you see is my car and my house. And so that took priority and it was easier to just stuff all the money problems down. And again, Mm -hmm. all that equals confused ass first gen adult being like, what? Exactly. You know what else? What is crazy too is because you're trying to balance two things because you you're mm-hmm. trying to assimilate while you're here, but then never mind. You still got your family back home, and like for yes. me, I know that was a big thing for us. I don't know how often you went back to the Philippines, but I used to go back like every few summers. Like my parents couldn't mm-hmm. afford to fly back to DR every summer, but we would. I would you know one of us would go every few summers, and that's when I feel like the flex really came out because oh, yes. we came from the United States. We're from New York. I mean, in Dominican Republic, it's like oh, de Nueva York, de Nueva York. Yeah. And they think that means that you're rich. So yes. when you get there, it's like, oh, you got to give everybody yes. hats and you have to give them clothes and shoes. And it's like, but we don't even got that. But we have to we have to pretend because we came all the way from Nueva York and we have to, you know, maintain that image that is expected from our cousins and families that are, you know, still there that maybe are less fortunate because they weren't able to come to the U.S. and immigrate like us. But that doesn't mean we got it like that either. So yes. it's that tension, too. Exactly. That 100 percent shows up with Filipino families, like especially ones that have immigrated to the U.S. specifically because same in the Philippine community. United States equals dollars. Dollars equals you're rich. Donald Trump. Everybody that owns a business. Everyone's in a mansion. And so I went to the Philippines a couple of times growing up, but my parents were very much like yours. They were like, you're not going to learn Tagalog at all. Tagalog is the the Filipino language, the language of the Philippines. You're not going to learn Tagalog because we don't want you to have an accent. We went to the Philippines sometime, but I'm noticing now that with my mom and my mom generation, her and her siblings, they all immigrated to the U.S. And whenever they go back, it's the same exact thing. They are literally walking ATMs and they are expected <laughs> to ball out and they're expected to bring out cash and they're expected to pay for everything the entire week they're there and mm-hmm. like put up that front wall. I know I'm like, it's pesos. Okay. I know it's Filipino pesos. Like our dollar lives a long way. It doesn't go that long of a way. Like, what are you doing? But they feel an obligation to show out because if they can't, then what did they leave their homeland for? You know what yes. I mean? Then like, what was all that struggle for? What was all that abandonment for? They have yeah. to show. I feel like if I were to interview my mom, I'm sure she would say that there's a guilt. There's a, there's a feeling of responsibility of giving back. Um, anyone in the Filipino community knows about ball buying boxes, the big ass boxes that we fill with yep. uh, like, what is it? Irish spring soap, yes. Bath and Body yes. Works and, and whatever. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Brand names that people, they literally, it's like, we're like a, we're like a catalog and they order from us. Yep. And we send it over. And then when you're physically there, you're the human catalog and the human ATM. And you're expected to just like, yeah, it's very strange. It's so strange. Oh my goodness. It's so interesting to me how much of everything that we talk about is the same because we also have the big box. Yes. My mom spends like two, $300 every month, even though she don't got it, she will find it. Yes. And send these giant yeah. boxes to the DR full of anything and everything that, you know, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. Like I'll, I'll see her putting like winter coats and winter boots. I'm like, mom, you're sending this to a tropical Caribbean <laughs> Island. She's like, but they need Need it. They need it. I'm like, they don't need a winter coat and winter boots. It's a tropical <laughs> Caribbean island. Yeah. They don't need Tim's mom. They don't they need Tim's. What are you doing? She's just like, no, no, they need it. I'm like, oh my goodness. That's what it is. Yeah. And same with like our our stuff, like being in the privileged position of being the first gen children who were raised in America, raised with a dollar. Everything was like, don't throw anything away. You can donate to the Philippines. Mm-hmm. You don't want that anymore. You're ungrateful. I'm giving it to your cousins in the Philippines. Yes. What? The trippy feeling of finally going to the Philippines as like a conscious teenager 
like seeing my yes. cousin wear our stuff. Yes, <laughs> like really happens in the bedroom. Yeah. Right, and they're super curious. They're like, "What's in your bag? Is that a cell phone?" They're very. I remember being like eleven and being like, "Why are you all up in my ah, like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes, I barely think the dollars. I'm like very confused. You're like a scientific like, a specimen. They're like observing you, looking at all the specs. Mm. Yeah, no, I definitely, I, I yes. do that a ton, and and I think it has a lot to do with the way that you. I mean, and me too, but like. I think you deliver the financial information that you share in such a way that is like against everything that anybody could imagine financial workshops would be like, or financial, you know, Mm. uh, information would sound like. And I think it comes from that. It comes from the fact that we had to learn it in this weird hodgepodge way. And like through this, just figuring it out. And now we want to make sure to make it loud and, and and make it known that like, hey, we figured this out, but now because we figured it out in our own way, we have to help other people. We have to pave the way for other people to figure it out in a way that works for us and not the way that, you know, we were supposed to learn it because that didn't work for us. That probably is not going to work for a lot of people, mm-hmm. um, which is why yeah. I love what you're doing. I love your content. I think obviously I'm not the only one that loves it because you got mad followers. So <laughs> you're, but you're, <laughs> but your claim to like being a influencer to having influence our fame on Instagram was really paying off all your student loan debt and like like you said traveling with your boo and just really being able to set everything aside and go do that so how the hell do you do that how do you just smash a whole bunch like tens of thousands of dollars of student loan debt and have a a fat stack savings account to be able to go spend cash traveling like how long did it take you what were the strategies that you used to be able to set your life up that way tell us all the juice (laughs) yes of course of course for the timeline for me was probably a total of about like three and a half, four years okay. from when I started to go like, what is budgeting? How does this make sense? And I guess I'm going to try to be strategic in this, the way that this, these Dave Ramsey and the Tim Ferriss-y, Tony Robbins-y way people are trying to tell me um, until I was like, it's time for me to quit my job. I always have to acknowledge though, the different privileges that I was sitting on top of yeah. when I paid off my student loans, of course. So for example, Right before I started getting really aggressive paying off my student loans, I was a freelancer in New York City, which like <laughs> freelancer in New York City means broke yeah, all, sure. all the time. For sure. Super broke. And it was like, I remember I was like cashing out like savings bonds I had when I was a baby <laughs> rent and it was like all this stuff. Like I very the struggle and everybody has those struggle years. And you never forget them. Um, and then I got an offer to work for back home in San Francisco for a tech company. And I was like, and it's pretty good money, but it was also like, oh my God, a paycheck is going to come every two weeks. Like it's been years, years <laughs> since like that was available to me. Yeah. And I was like, oh, this is a, this is a moment. I was like, God is telling me, God, goddess, higher powers are telling me this is the moment to get your life together. Like your financial mm-hmm. life together. Because before being a freelancer was my excuse to be like, I'm a mess. Like my paychecks come kind of whatever. So you hid behind that. A hundred percent. I was like, how am I supposed to create a system and a budget? out of something that's so irregular. And I'm just like, oh, you know, like I'm, I'm crazy. Cause this isn't crazy. And my sister's crazy. And I have an excuse. Right. And so now getting this job, getting this full-time job, I was like, I no longer have an excuse. Mm. I get an IV drip of money every other Friday. And I get a, like, I get a reset chance to look at my money on like a regular schedule. Yep. That is something that I should take advantage of. Um, so one giant privilege is that I, I got a full-time job that paid me pretty good. Yeah. And when I came back to the Bay area, I spent a year being like, la, la, I'm in the tech world. I'm spending money. Mm-hmm. But then I realized I was never going to pay off my savings in that it. way. Yep. 
yeah, I'm just going to, it's all going to come right out of my pockets the same exact way that it was coming out of New York. And so another privilege that was huge to me, but I, I couldn't have gotten my student loan payments over as quickly is that I have a loving and wonderful family in San Francisco Bay Area who, of course, in their Filipino way, were like, why are you being dumb? Why are you, are you honestly in an apartment in San Francisco? Like, what's wrong with you? Yeah. And I was like, independence, I can afford it. I'm a grown woman. And they're like, you're an idiot. <laughs> exactly. So I was able to go live with my family. I still paid rent, but it was definitely not San Francisco right. market rent. Right. Um, and then having to do a lot of sacrifice, like in that way, it's a privilege and a sacrifice. Mm-hmm. I've sacrificed my independence and that sort of like adult feeling, especially that first gen, like I broke out of my parents' house yes. feeling. Um, I had to sacrifice that, sacrifice a lot of transportation. So like not having a car, like sacrificing Ubers and all that stuff, mm-hmm. not everywhere, the public transportation. Um, and then when it's actually a right around when I met my partner, Peter, yeah. um, about four, yeah, four years ago, that's when I was really getting into the, like, I think I'm going to start to get serious about my money serious about budgeting and he was like me too and so we sort of joined forces and together started to like use each other as a support and an excuse to sacrifice financially all the time and so it was like the two of us had concocted this plan that sometime in the future we're going to save up enough to not just pay off our student loans but to fuck off and quit life yeah. and both like have a dramatic exit put in yes. jobs. and so having that plan with someone else was a huge boost a huge privilege and like a huge tool that other folks should use too um, because every time I was faced with Vegas this weekend, Coachella, but want to go move into this apartment? Do you want your independence back? I was like, no, no, I'm going to keep like living under my, my lovely parents roof for, for very little money. Yeah. I'm going to keep squishing into this room with my partner because I have a bigger goal in mind. Yeah. And so anyway, long story short being, there are a lot of privileges I was sitting on top of that fact that I was able to get a higher paying job, mm-hmm. which is the fastest way anyone's going to be able to pay off their student loans. 100%. Get more. Get more money. That's right. Get more money is the damn truth. Mm-hmm. Um, big sacrifices that some people would see as sacrifice, but you would also see as like gratitude and privilege at the same time. Um, and freaking discipline. But the discipline, it wasn't so much like every day I'm beating myself over the head with this thing. It was like, you know what's sexier than like your Coachella weekend, traveling for a year and quitting my mm-hmm. job. Like I just, I have a sexier goal. Yes. It's sexier to me than anything you can offer to me. And I'm going to keep holding it over my head until I got there. Ooh, that is it, it was right. That is good. It was sexy. I love that you equate discipline to a constant reminder of what's motivating you. Because I feel like they go hand in hand so much, but people don't usually say that. People are just like, well, how do you, this mm-hmm. discipline is what, you know, self-control, being able to say no. Actually, it's being able to say yes to that year of travel. Like you constantly have to remind yeah. yourself what you're saying yes to every time you're saying no to these little things. Like, yeah, okay, I'm mm-hmm. going to say no to this Manny Petty right now and to this brunch next weekend. But what I'm getting in return is so much better than both of those things combined. Yeah. And I mean, if it truly, yeah. if you truly do feel that it is better, then it should be easy to have the quote-unquote discipline and motivation but if you're not motivated by the thing that you decided you want so bad then that, it's not gonna work you need to have something nope. you want that freaking bad and you and your boyfriend did you guys had that thing that you wanted so bad and together it's even easier because you know as we know mm-hmm. we talked about how helpful that when you save with other people you're way more likely to be effective to actually save so it makes it makes yes, a lot of sense absolutely yeah yeah and it's it's also knowing myself like i clearly like the fact that I'm a financial hype woman, I'm a child. Like I'm always going to be like 17 years old on the inside and I'm not motivated by discipline. I'm not motivated by punishment. I'm not motivated by self-control and tightness and dieting. And I'm motivated by fun and play and, and excitement. And so 
if you know what motivates you, it's the discipline and the self-control will come with it naturally. Mm -hmm. But what makes me sad is when people beat themselves up about not being disciplined enough or not having enough self-control. I'm just not focused. I'm just not good at money. That's why I'm, that's why I'm not good at money because I'm just not good at it. It's most of the time it's that you haven't figured out what you care more about than the bullshit. Like you haven't figured out the thing that, or if you figured it out, you're not holding up above your head clearly enough because once you, you point out what you like and you hold it above, like all that stuff will come flowing naturally because the, the, the enjoyable fun thing is more powerful than anything else. That is so true. I mean, you could see it in so many different analogies. There's so many different examples. We could, you talked about being a kid, right? Like, I mean, I was just babysitting my nephews the other day and they are a handful. They're twin boys. They're five years old. <laughs> they a lot to handle. Oh but I, when I, t- I said, what do you guys want to do? They said they want to go outside and they want to run and play. I'm like, okay, fine. If you want to do that first, we have to do this. You know how, mm-hmm. like, the fact that they were driven by wanting to go outside. And I kept reminding them, we're about to go outside. Uh, uh, you better, you know, clean up your toys because you're not, <laughs> yeah, if you don't clean up your toys, you're not going outside. And that was enough just constantly holding that over their head like a little carrot to get them to do all the mm-hmm. things that their mom says, like, oh, they never do that. And they, for me, I'm like, well, you have to keep reminding them of the thing they said they wanted. And it just, it's just so true. It's not just kids, too. I mean, if you... I don't necessarily abide by all the like relationship advice about controlling your partner. I think you should let your partner do what they want. But some people do believe that if you motivate your partner enough, they will do what you want them to do because you're, you know, you're mm-hmm. that we go, oh, you want that? Well, this is what you got to do, right? And, and uh-huh. it sounds manipulative, but I think it, the, it, the point is that you can get people who typically wouldn't normally want to do certain things to do it because of a larger motivating factor. And so you got to find that thing exactly. that actually going to motivate you that motivating factor that's actually going to make you want to get up off your butt and look at your budget and put burn a money playlist on spotify while you work and do and actually just do it like do it get it done exactly exactly and it's it's so interesting i've been thinking so much over the past year about how like we are mammals like we are trainable literally like yes we're complex yes we we create amazing things that's like never before seen but also we are so easily motivated by pleasure, yes. by simple things, yes. by the things that we like. And it's amazing. Again, like it makes me so sad to hear people say like, I just don't have it. Mm-hmm. It's just that your carrot is not big enough yes. and your carrot's not you enough. Or maybe you're chasing somebody else's carrot. Maybe you, you like really carrots. Care about maybe you hate carrots. Maybe you, you, hate carrots. you want something else and you're looking at a carrot and of course not going to motivate you because you want something else. Yeah. You want something else and you are trainable is like the sort of scary, weird thing. Like yeah. I was able to train myself with the idea of, freedom yes like job freedom pleasure travel food abroad that to me was my like okay like I that that really lit up the five-year-old in me that made me go all right fine I'll do whatever you want just like right. let me have the thing eventually I think that never goes away right uh, like your inner child and your very basic caveman desire to get the thing that you want yes it's just we are so inundated especially with things like social media other people's goals to we're trained to want a certain thing or for our goals to look a certain way yes when it it's like, I, I'm always trying to tell myself and tell other people, like, ask your inner child. They know. They know the basic carrot. Like, maybe your adult self was like, I want to go drink a beach, a drink a drink a beach, drink a cocktail on the beach in Santorini, 
So I could take a picture and that's what I want. Okay, maybe that's what adult you want. Yes. Like, you and and is that even really what you want? Or is it that what is that's what you think you want because you saw someone else doing that on Instagram because everybody's hashtagging Santorini and because that's what you think you're supposed yeah. to do to be, uh, you know, to fit in. Again, it's constantly that desire to fit in and to be doing what everyone else is doing. I, I'm always so... Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think maybe I'm drawn to people that are like a, the total opposite of that. Like people who, who are like, mm-hmm. they just go with the wind and they're just like, nah, F, the, F what everyone else is doing. Like, I don't care if everybody, like quirky, weird people that just kind of dance to the beat of their own drum. Those are the people mm-hmm. that I'm starting to be way more like gravitating to them. Because when I was growing up, I would be like, oh, she's a weirdo. Oh, look at her. Mm-hmm. And now I'm like, oh, that's my friend. I want to be friends with her. Yes. She's doing her own <laughs> thing. She's doing her own thing. Like, I like that. Yes. And it's Yes, because you know they figured it out. Yeah, because as a kid, right. you get made fun of for being that weirdo. But as an adult, that is how you find your happiness. That's how you get in your jam because you don't care what everyone around you is doing. You found the thing that makes you you. And I don't know, I'm I'm constantly yeah. looking for people that are like that more in my life now than ever before because I feel like that's that's authenticity. That's you know, yes. that's you are your true self. And that's the only way to really be happy, whether you have enough money or not. Financial is so the financial aspect of life is so important, but it's not everything. And I feel like mm-hmm. that authenticity underneath everything is probably what makes me more happy than having my financial ish together. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And then when you find that core, right? Like you find the like, hold up, this is actually what I want. Yes. Not what internet me wants, not what Instagram me wants. What I want, what I found is like, especially meeting my partner who is super minimalistic, very, very simple. Like he's very much about like the Biffle life, like buy it for life mm-hmm. community of things. And I was like, what? I'm over here with my fast fashion and my fast food. Yeah. He's like, no, invest, calm down. I like, was able to pare down to what is really important to me. Mm-hmm. And the things that are important to me are hella cheaper than the things that used to be important to me. So like when I got down to the core of what I want, I was like, oh my God, she's cheap. Yes. <laughs> yes. Simple. She's down she's for a budget. Mm-hmm. She's simple. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And like, there are so many things that there's so much noise in the world of what we're supposed to want. Yes. And the thing is that noise is expensive and is mostly driven by capitalism. It's mostly driven by somebody who wants your dollars. And so it's to your emotional advantage and your financial advantage to sit back and be like, hold on, do I care? For real though, do I actually care? Like when it's me laying in my bed at night, just me and my thoughts, do I care about Santorini? Do I care about Louis Vuitton bags? Like you'll find that the sort of like airheaded cloud self that's like, I want these things she's expensive a lot of the time because she's been taught to want things that fit into capitalism and the things in my core that I'm like actually I really love that it's like nature it's a nap it is game night on the internet for free Mm -hmm. like it's it's she's cheap she's way cheap on the inside and I like want to I, I like hang on to her because she just keeps my life so much cheaper. Yeah. And and also just embrace her because that's your true self. Like just that's the thing that actually makes you happy. And and I think it's hard to find, which is why like I, I want to talk about Joelle a little bit because I was so like I met Joelle through you and I was just like, I don't understand. My brain does not register how someone so young <laughs> So young, two years out of college, and this girl has her is together. For those of you guys listening or watching who don't know who the heck Joely is, so Joely works with um, Berna, and she's a social media strategy for her, and she does a lot of like the support. She pretty much like came up with hella helpful stuff from one day to the next. Visuals, the yes. website. I mean, this girl is talented, but also has her financial life together. This girl paid only, she had like, I think it was almost like $70,000 of student loan debt, and now only has like 30000 left. Like she's Mm-hmm. Her debt, has her budget on, like on point she's like using her app every day like 
for somebody who in their early 20s who just graduated college two years ago to have all their age together like that, I was just like, so mm -hmm. I'm so in awe. I don't understand how that happens. How did you find her? <laughs> like, Oh my God. I wish I could just clone all the Joellies. The wonderful thing to come out of Hella Helpful is I was able to like put Joelle more on a platform and be like, she's running this yes. shit. Like the event, right? The Zoom stuff, all the technical stuff. And she like, we both alongside each other, like taught ourselves and learned all the stuff together. We're both like, I don't know what we're doing. We'll figure it out. And she was the backbone of all that education. She found me. So oh. she came to me. It was a total cold pitch. Yeah. And the great thing is that like Joelle, if you ask her, she's done webinars on this. She's done like online content of how she made up her own job and pitched herself mm -hmm. to like basically pitch the job that she wanted for the people she wanted to work with. I love that. She has a whole, literally she would do a whole, I think she would be amazing on the show to talk about that because it. she just popped up in my inbox one day. I think she graduated like May, 2018, 2019, um, 2018. And like that following fall, she had emailed me and she was like, Hey, what's up? Like, I love what you do. I found you. I think she might've found me on Instagram. It's like, I love what you do. I'm really interested in social strategy. Can I help you? And at the time I was like, you know what? I love this, but I'm not like, I'm not prepared in my business to hire anybody. Yeah. So keep going though. And then a few months later when I was like, actually, I really do need some backend help, especially with social strategy. I reached back out to her because she was top of mind because she reached out. She shot her shot basically. Mm -hmm. And even though I didn't have the opportunity at the time, I eventually did. And so I reached out to her and I was like, are you still available? Because actually things have grown and I need help. And she was like, yes, I am. That's awesome. And then she like she, the, what makes our working relationship so good is that she's a lot calmer than me. You probably know this is from like talking with Joelle and interacting with her. She's a lot calmer oh than God. me. She's more organized. She's, she's oftentimes like, even though she's younger than me and she is like, you know, she works on my team. She's the one that's like, Erna, relax. Erna, they're fine. They don't need that. Do you think I should remind them? You think they need three more email reminders? Maybe I should post my story. They'll figure it out, Berna. They're adults. Her like tagline for me is, They'll be fine. Yeah. They'll be okay. Be I'm like, you're right, you're right, you're right. So not only does she like, she's always down to learn about new things with me. Yeah. I'm like, what is this webinar thing? Let's figure it out. She's like, all right, bet, let's go. Love but it. she also, like the working relationship is like very common. Yeah. And I loved her work so much that I had a friend, Nadia Daala. She is this, uh, she's a leadership coach for women of color. She was saying to me one day, like, man, I really wish I had help with my social media strategy, someone who could just wow. take the reins and run. And I was like, I happen to know a woman named Joelle. And so now they work together. And oh. Nadia became Joelle's second client. That's awesome. And so, and now since Hella Helpful, I had so many people be like, is Joelle hiring? Yes, seriously. <laughs> Does she want more clients? Right. But she built that herself. Like she has a full-time job in marketing. Yeah and does this as a side hustle and she made it up herself mm -hmm. just presented herself like here are my skills can I help you um and has stayed flexible the entire time so she's a gem I a gem. love that it's crazy how just serendipitous these things are like how you meet people I mean like she did just cold like she just sent that cold note out to you you never she never knew if you were going to respond or not I I love that and I think it's so important to do stuff like that but sometimes you just either you need the guts you need the confidence you need a network like you know she she found you online that's like there's so many pieces to it but I just I love hearing mm -hmm. stories like that because I'm like there's so many people out there listening that are probably like I want to do this thing and I can't because mm -hmm. whatever reason doesn't matter just do it like Joely wanted to do it she just did it like she literally just did it she just yes. said I'm just gonna throw this out there and if she hires me I'll figure it out as I go and that's yes so many people do that yet there's this whole group of people like myself included who doesn't even realize that that's a way you could be successful like you could just 
fake it till you make it. And then like, when you make it, you figure it out and you keep making it. Like that is literally how people do things. And exactly. more recently I've started to realize, like open my eyes to that. I'm like, oh, okay. I need to get on that boat. I need to get on that team because that's so, it, it makes so much sense. It does. It does. And what really resonated with me too is like, and I think what's really valuable in mine and Julie's relationship is that like, she, she's figuring out as she, as she goes and she approached me bless her thinking that I have my shit together I don't you know what I mean she approached me being like I don't know where I fit inside of your like castle social media mecca but if you need my job I'm like you don't know it's a castle in the front and it's cardboard me struggling naked in the back so like yes I need your help are you kidding so you know if anyone is out there listening to this and watching this and thinking like I could never approach Janelle. She has her shit together. She doesn't need help from me. Mm. Creators like us can use all the help we can get. That's so true. All the help we can get. Like our job is to make it look like we have our stuff together. And if you think that, then great, we're doing our job, but it doesn't mean we don't need help with that job. So when she came in, I think, yeah, I think she was surprised at the like, oh, you don't have a system for this? Wait, this isn't actually as consistent as I think? You're just making this up. And I'm like, Yes, Charlie, just making it up to help me. Yeah. And so we're out there. You're we so need your help. You just, Ugh, you're so right. No it's so funny. I re- I've been doing a bunch of calls and even like, you know, now with Corona and everything, all the calls are on Zoom and I'll get on these Zoom calls. People are like, God, you have your ish together, girl. Your kitchen is so clean. Your house. I'm like, first of all, it looks clean. <laughs> it looks clean. There are dirty dishes in that sink. And I don't have all my ish together. I have like random stuff on my couch right now. You can't see it because I make it look pretty. But the point is, everybody looks like they have their ish together, but people have a lot going on behind the scenes. And mm-hmm. if you see someone that inspires you or that makes you feel like, wow, I want to work with them, shoot your shot. Like, why, you know, why be intimidated when the worst thing that can happen is they say, actually, I don't really need help right now but I'll keep you in mind. Okay, big deal. So at least now they know who you are. Like, it's really not a big deal. And I think more people need to do this, especially young people who are like tend to be a little bit more intimidated because they don't really know how things work yet until they get more experience under their belt. But um, mm-hmm. anyway, I just wanted to bring up Jolie because I thought she was amazing. But I do want to talk about actually how, so Berna and me, we actually met at FinCon, which um, for those of you guys out there listening or watching who don't know what FinCon is, it's a financial influencer conference that happens every year. And it was my second year to FinCon when I met you. It was your first time there, right? This was your first mm-hmm. FinCon in 2019. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know. I was like, I didn't know what to expect when I first got there. And then I realized very quickly that as amazing as it is a space, it's one of the spaces where it's one of those like conferences where people of color create like their like own separate small meeting in there because mm-hmm. if they don't, there it's not, uh, there's no space for them. And, and it also just yeah. feels like, like everyone's very disparate so basically Mm -hmm. as when I got there I saw like there were people of color like the Latino group and like the you know black group and everybody was kind of like grouping together and I was like wow you know that what that means is that it start when it started there were none there were like maybe three people of color and they had to find each other and so Mm -hmm. that has stuck like it's always been that thing and so I recognize that a lot of times there are many conferences not just FinCon but um, I just always operate with that awareness that like sometimes it's not a comfortable space for first generation, low income people of color. And I find that like it's it's hard to like navigate those spaces. You mm-hmm. you literally it was your first year. You threw yourself in there with a bang. You talking to Ramit about the pasta and all. And mm-hmm. I was like, you know, Berna is literally like she's this you just threw yourself right in. I was like, how does Berna like? How did you do? You, it's your first year. You didn't know what to expect. Obviously, it was in a space that was like meant for, you know, necessarily your identity, but yes. you mm-hmm. made it work for you, for us. And you, 
I think you you did a lot. Like you met a lot of people. You were like leading a panel. You I mean you were in there. And I was just like, mm-hmm. wow, I gotta meet this girl. I gotta talk to her because first of all, your energy is infectious. And you know, I feel like our energies would be like bam. But at the same time, I and was they like, were. And they were. But at the same time, I was like, I'm so inspired by this like commitment to coming here and getting the most from this conference, regardless. And so, yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. Talk to me about how it was being at FinCon for the first time ever and yeah, how you navigated uh the the space. Of course. It's because it was my first time ever. I think that was that's that very special sort of element of like, I can't know what to expect. I don't know what to expect. I can't know what to expect. Everything will be the first for me. Everything's fresh. And so I really wanted, knowing that beforehand, I took advantage of that and just like emptied out all my expectations. Mm. I was just like, I, it doesn't matter like how I show up in this space necessarily. I mean, it does matter in a way, but also I don't have to be super self-conscious of how I show up in the space because I don't even know what the space is. And so when I don't know about a space or when I have like assumptions about a space, I don't really know when I know it's a space where like my, my presence will matter, but I also don't know how to act in that space. The only way I know how to come is myself is just be myself. Mm -hmm. And I really kind of counseled myself. I had to check in with myself right before FinCon and go, okay, Berna, like I know myself. I tend to be the kind of person that likes to assimilate inside of a space like that. You know, like I'll be very chameleon. Like if I, if I see that people are acting a certain way, talking a certain way, I'll be very quick to like, try to be harmonious inside of that space. Um, But then I also knew, and I could tell from afar and probably lots of uh, folks of color could tell too. I was like, I, I'm just going to venture a guess that there's not going to be a lot of us there. There's not going to be a lot of people of color. There are not going to be a lot of women of color there. And so the only way I kn- I've known how to operate in those spaces, because so many of us have operated in so many of those spaces. I was in publishing, I was in the camp, youth world, like mm. all white. Yeah. I only know how to be myself. And kind of the more, and also the more myself I am, the sort of more, almost like the more noise I make, the more that the same effect happens where people look at me and they're like, oh, she's interesting. Also, she's brown. Huh, that's interesting. <laughs> also, she's funny and brown. Also, she's smart and brown. And so- knowing that like our presence at FinCon is loud enough in and of itself. Yeah. Like I just knew that I had to like just bring as much of me as I could to the space because it probably doesn't exist in the first place. And yeah. also like, again, it's that like, I have nothing to lose element because I was mm. there for the first time. So yep. even if I came there and made an ass of myself in front of me, which I did <laughs> and like, who, who cares? I didn't know what to expect. I have, I have no excuse of having, having to know better or act better. Yeah. I just sort of rode that. Um, and that was really fun, but it also was like exactly like what we talked about when we were at FinCon. It was really impactful for me to see the exact same phenomenon you were just talking about of just like, okay, we got panels, we got people, we got discussions, but I look around the room, I, I look around the room and I can see the exact same phenomenon that we always see as people are calling the room. Uh-oh, I'm the only one. I'm the yeah. only one in my room. I'm the only one in this mm-hmm. panel. Okay. I got to go find my people. Same exact yes. phenomenon happened. And I was like, yeah, I, I kind of saw this coming. And mm-hmm. so finding you actually having like our, what, like two and a half hour long conversation on the patio. <laughs> it was supposed was to be like a 10 minute. Part. We were supposed to link yes. up for 10 minutes and chat real quick and then go to the next session. We were out there for three hours legit. Like it was crazy. <laughs> because to me, that was the most impactful thing. You are a incredible video creator, also a woman, also a person of color, speak yeah. for first gen. And so I was like, if I'm going to get value out of anybody here who speaks, who's like in my lane of personal mm. finance, it's people like Nanelli. So I'm just yeah. so grateful. Yeah. <laughs> You're so crazy. No, yeah. I, I mean, I hear you, girl. I feel like I'm so glad 
we found each other, that we we made that space. That conversation was so helpful for me just to know, like, I ain't the only one struggling, dealing with this, trying to mm. figure this all out. And like, you know, she gets me, you get me and you understand from my perspective, which I think is like, just, it's hard to find um, clarity in that way. So it is definitely super, super helpful. Um, and, and I feel like in general, that's what this is all about. Like, I, that's why I love your platform. I love that you are just so different, calling yourself a financial hype woman, creating the content in such a silly way, such an open way, fun way, just an approachable way, because you know, that's just the way regular people act. So why are we not acting Mm. like that when we start talking about money? Big deal. We're talking about money, but we're still, let's still be normal. Like, let's like the fact that when we start talking about money is when we start acting all weird and using all this fancy terminology. Like that's when, that's when you close the door for people to regular people to feel like, Oh, that ain't for me. Oh, that, that door is closed. Oh, I'm not supposed to go in there. That's not my type of place. And it, it is everybody's place. So we have to make mm-hmm. it sound like everybody's place. So, um, I don't know. I just, I love what you're doing. I have Thank you. two more questions for you. Um, because otherwise we could talk for three hours all over again. Um, <laughs> but okay. So I like to wrap up the show with this question about your money mantra or your money message that you would like to impart on people. And the way I've do, mm-hmm. been doing it is I create these dollars, um, in Photoshop, put your face on there, put <sighs> your money model over it. And so that way it's like this idea that like everybody who touches money, who transacts with money, who sees dollars is going to see this message. So what would your mm-hmm. money message for everybody be? Oh my gosh. It's so funny, actually, I'm going to, what I'm going to pick actually is something that I put up on a post-it this morning, because I've been thinking a lot about like, after making Hella Helpful and creating this amazing like playground, basically, of financial influencers and education after Hella Helpful, I kind of went into this dip of like, okay, now I got to take this seriously. Oh no. Like I got to sponsors. Oh no, I got to do the next one. Oh my God, I'm not getting paid. Like, what does this all mean? And it kind of sucked the fun out of Hella Helpful for me a little bit. And I had a really good session with my business coach this week, she really made me think of like, what is it that gets you motivated to do anything, to, to get your stuff together, to save money, to spend money smartly. For me, it's like, it's the idea of fun and play. And I also personally like shout out to my therapist from open paths, open path collective, who's a low cost organization that offers low cost therapy, found a therapist through that. I feel very, yeah. Open, open path collective, very obsessed. Um, but shout out to my therapist for helping me work with the idea that like, I struggle a lot with giving myself permission for things, permission to be loud, permission to, uh, to chill out, to rest, permission to be my own boss. Mm. Um, and so putting those two things together, I was like, you know, what's going to be a really powerful mantra for me these days is giving myself the permission to play. And so that's the phrase I think that I would put on a dollar is, you know, when we, when we see dollars, we see money, we think about money, a lot of us get super tense because we bring with it all the tension of our families, our ancestors, our culture, our history. Yeah. We see a dollar and it just, it's so loaded. And I think no one has ever really told us that you can be playful with the way that you mind your money. You can be playful mm-hmm. and have fun and experiment with the way that you spend your money. That's what a budget is, is you're giving yourself rules on how to spend your money and be playful with it if you want. Name your bank account stupid shit. Make yeah. a fund specifically just for uh, Animal Crossing yeah. friends, whatever. Yeah. Like for me, play, the idea of play really activates something. Like it activates my carrot. The carrot like comes down from the ceiling when mm. I think of the word play. So I want to give people who touch this dollar permission to play with a dollar, not yeah. take it so seriously. Um, and tell all that tension and the, the scariness to like have a seat for two seconds. Yeah, go away. Don't nobody want you here. 
That's right. Yeah. I love it. I love that. Give yourself permission to play. And, and it's so true because if you don't do that, if you don't include fun money, play money, ratchet money in your budget, you're not going to be successful with it because you're going to exactly. get to the point where you're like, oh, I'm literally not having any fun. Why would I keep doing mm-hmm. this? You're literally, exactly. you're going to just, you're going to run away. It's like fight or flight. Like you're going to be like, oh, ew, this is horrible. I don't want this ever again. But if you have that little bit of money there for fun, for play, mm-hmm. you're, it's going to allow you to continue to do this thing that's eventually going to give you the financial independence you need to be able to play all the time or whenever you want. But first you got to start small. Um, so I love that mm-hmm. girl, put that all over your dollar bill. I love it. Um, cool. And then I know people out here listening are probably like, damn, Berna is hella inspiring. I'm, I'm from Brooklyn. We don't even use the word hella, but you got me saying hella now after hella helpful, hella inspired. They're going to be hella inspired yeah. in Brooklyn. We say mad. They're going to be mad inspired, mad. girl. They're going to be mm-hmm. mad inspired by your story. So mm-hmm. if people out there listening are so inspired with the story that you shared, your, your money journey, everything that, you know, your mindset, the way that you approach life, which is just so playful, so authentic. Um, how can they let you know that you've inspired them? Where can they contact you? Yes. So you can find me all over the internet. Like, you know, listen in the beginning at Hey Verna, Hey Verna on Instagram. Instagram is where I'm the most loud and the most obnoxious for sure. It's like my <laughs> home base. Yeah. So at Hey Burn on Instagram, for sure. Keep an eye on my stories because I'm always doing crazy ratchet stuff on my stories. Yeah. And if you are interested in Hella Helpful, if you're interested in the next iteration of it and all the crazy stuff we're going to be doing in the future, hellahelpful.com, drop your email and you'll get all the updates from there. Yeah, you guys, you definitely. Oh my God, you guys, I cannot talk enough about how Hella Helpful is such an amazing community. Yes, it was intended uh, first with people of color, first generation and low income folks in mind, but it is a community that will welcome one and all, like everybody can come and learn from the community. And so I think that is what makes it a beautiful space. It is just so dope to see so many people come together and, and like this one story that somebody tells resonate with everybody else. And like just the conversation me and Berna had today, there was so much of that going on in Hella Helpful and mm-hmm. just people from all over coming together to share their expertise in different topic, er- like different areas and content plays, like people talking about travel, people talking about budgeting. I talked about saving. Cleo talked about combining finance and yoga. I mean, it was just, mm-hmm. there was all of these beautiful different outlets and ways that people uh, practice their financial love for, uh, for mm-hmm. you know, in their lives, the way that they plan financially, the way that they think about money and, and the way they practice money. And it was just, it's a beautiful place. Go, if you haven't, to hellahelpful.com. Put your email in there. You'll get links to all of the different webinars that have already happened and any Mm -hmm. future iterations of Hella Helpful coming out. TBD, you'll also Mm -hmm. be able to stay tuned with what Hella Helpful becomes, evolves into. And I can't wait myself to see what that's going to be because I am going to be a part of it. I love Hella Helpful. Mm -hmm. I was just like, I have to. When I saw you post about it, I was like, I have to be part of this. Like, this is what I, I like, this is what I needed. This is what I want Mm -hmm. to exist in the world. If you want something to exist in the world and it doesn't, you got to create it. So thank you for being that person who had it in your heart to do it and to make it happen. Um, I'm just so glad that that we did it and we'll keep doing it. Yes, absolutely. And I mean, I think I told you this in text, but y'all like I got feedback from Hilla Helpful afterwards and the amount of people that said by name, Yanelli was my favorite speaker. Yanelli <laughs> oh, dragged me within an inch of my guys. life. Yanelli, <laughs> like, Yanelli dragged us yes. or oh, I love that. she made love fun it. of me she attacked me and i'm changed because <laughs> of it like we we are all so lucky to freaking know you so that's why yeah. when you did mind your money i was like the same exact energy i was like i need to be a part of it 
Love it. No, it's true. You know what it is? If somebody comes from outside of the community and tries to attack us, we're not having that. We're not having that. But yeah. from within our own community, we can attach yeah. each other because we have to attack each other because we have to get on each other and hold ourselves and each other to high expectations. But don't come outside from outside the community trying to tell us. No, uh, uh-uh. no, don't no. do that. You can't do that. You're not allowed. Mm-hmm. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. No, that's a privilege you do not have. That is <laughs> for us. Thank you. Us. You. Us. Us. Thank you so much, Berna. This was so much fun. I can't wait to share it, to post it, for everybody to see uh, how amazing you are and all of the way that you think and the way that you are. I, I can't wait for it to inspire people. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Nelly. Such an honor. <laughs>